The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 351 for February 17th, 2013. Broadcom announces its first 4G chipset, LG announces new hardware, and multiple bugs are discovered for iOS 6.1. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. Well, first this week, Broadcom announcing its first 4G modem for smartphones and tablets. The model number BCM21892 is a 28 nanometer process that reduces the footprint of the chip by up to 35%, and when compared to competitors' products, it also consumes 25% less power. Unlike the Qualcomm Snapdragon line, which also houses the processor on the chip, the BCM21892 supports all 3G PP standards, including LTE Advanced, LTE, which is Category 4, with speeds up to 150 megabits per second, HSPA+, TDS CDMA, and of course, GSM and Edge. It also supports IMS and can deliver HD voice and voice over LTE for carriers who are using those services. Broadcom expects full production to begin in 2014. U.S. Cellular on Thursday announcing new LTE service in several cities and states. LG's uh, 4G service can be, excuse me, U.S. Cellular's 4G service can be found in Lincoln and Omaha, Nebraska, Manhattan, Kansas, and Eureka and Utica, California. The company said that 61% of the 3G consumers had uh, access to 4G LTE today. That percentage will grow to 87% by the end of the year. Now, uh, U.S. Cellular obviously not one of the top carriers that we typically talk about, but I thought it interesting that they were they were talking about their their coverage growing as much as it is um, when they're basically going to be covering most of what they're what they currently have uh, with three G service by the end of the year, and it brings up a you know a, a question or a point that I, I go back to with the current implementations and as the carriers are starting to roll out these services. Obviously, we have Verizon, which we know is going to be uh, basically at a hundred percent within the next three to four months. You've got AT and T, which is going to be covering. I think there's somewhere between eighty and ninety percent um, by the end of of this year, and, and full coverage by the end of next year. Sprint, who is is really behind the game, I think, uh, where they're only going to have. Um, I think it's by mid next year was when they're going have somewhere around 80 percent and then finally of course you've got service at places like u.s cellular carriers like them who are are starting to to get this stuff rolled out and of course a smaller footprint but uh, ultimately it's it's very important that they're getting this stuff rolled out because uh, number one people are demanding faster data people are expecting their devices to have lte in them now and when they go and buy them Uh, this is i think uh, one of the deciding factors at this point Um, certainly you know android kicked off this game you know a couple of years back when when the first devices like the thunderbolt came out but now it's you know the the mainstream you know user the iPhone user is out there now they're buying the the iPhone 5 it's got LTE in it if it's not running on the LTE network you, you almost think something is wrong and, and you start questioning the uh, the carrier that you're on I immediately notice when my iPhone 5 isn't on LTE and it's it's very rare that it's uh, 3G but it's um it's awful I, I I'm like it's this thing's broken when it's not on LTE because you, you become so accustomed to the speed of it 
and and, that, and that's kind of one thing what's what's happened here with this LTE deployment. Everybody's rolling out LTEs kind of as fast as they can because it's absolutely necessary, not only for spectrum efficiency because the airwaves are just you know plugged and 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 it's cheaper for them to operate. I think because it's got better range, but all this you know all the technical details aside, customers demand it now because they've become accustomed to it and kind of expect that speed. And also the phones themselves. You know, we've gotten so fast, you know, like the iPhone 5 and the latest, you know, crop of Android phones, you know, they're quad core 1.5 gig with, you know, billions of gigs of memory. They they run so quick. If you've got slow data, it, it, it just makes the device seem exceptionally slow. Whereas, you know, a few years ago, the, the data speeds were a little bit more comparable to what the, the phone could actually process and handle. And, and, you know, browsing websites, you know, drawing the page up. Now the devices can draw these pages so fast. We want faster data to keep up with the device, so it's kind of a hand-in-hand uh, increase, you know, incremental increase in speeds and capacities and and processing speeds. So it's, it, you know, it's just time. So I had an interesting experience this week. I, I happened to be at the right place at the right time, I guess we'll call it, and I got to chat with um, some AT and T folks that were doing a site survey on a place that they were looking to uh, to put a new tower. And so I got to talking with them and and kind of was you know looking at what they were what they were trying to figure out, and and I found it fascinating how number one how they how they look at this stuff because of course i know exactly where the at&t towers are because i was with them for so long and uh so i was you know talking about okay i know you guys have a tower here and here and you know that this area here is you know it's got you know tough uh you know tough areas to cover and uh, i said so what 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 is the deciding factor how did you uh you know how did you decide that you were going to that you were going to do this and and really he said you know it comes down to the number of complaints and really you know who is who is talking the loudest um happened to be in the proximity of an apple store and he really said you know the main focus is apple and and, and i said yeah, but why don't, why don't you just put a micro cell in there or, you know, put in some, you know, small, small antenna stuff. And it was uh, really more of a, well, it's, you know, it's the general area that needs it. But I just thought that was interesting. The first thing that came out of their, their mouths was, well, we got to cover Apple. And uh, so it, it was, but it was interesting, though, because, of course, we were talking about, I said, you know, okay, so you've got, I'm guessing this is all LTE and, and you know, this and that. And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, he said, but it's, you know, you're running all the services actually on the same hardware now so you've got not only lte but of course hspa that's in there as well um and they do have some legacy support in there for the gsm and edge stuff but um it's all fiber stuff now which i found very interesting to know as well because i said you guys just run it off of coax and he said oh if that's what we can do but he said typically we get fiber to the you know to the dmark point and and go from there just because that's that's the absolute best way for us and we know we can future proof ourselves by doing that as well so very interesting stuff uh and a good segue into uh the latest unlock show that we released this week and uh, so if you're interested in helping to support us uh, outside of listening to this show we do have our premium show tcpj unlocked it's released twice a month a month and we talk about various topics including those such as lte and specifically this week was lte advanced and uh, our discussion centered around how your 4g device today your lte device is going to look relatively slow in a very short amount of time and uh, really what lte advanced is bringing to the game here uh, and how cellular is also changing the game for landlines and that's another interesting thing that you know we talk about uh, you know kind of on and off here and there but we focused on why cellular is really a great way to go even if you're you still need a landline at your home you don't have to go over traditional copper you can use cellular to do so uh, so if you'd like to support us uh, we'd love to to have you as a, a cell phone junkie unlocked subscriber you head over to the cellphonejunkie.com and there's a link for tcpj unlocked on there you can choose from either a monthly or quarterly membership we appreciate everyone who subscribes to the show it certainly helps us out keeping this show going so uh, please head over there and sign up if you haven't already a couple of 
of device announcements this week. First off, on the BlackBerry front, prepaid carrier Solovey on Monday announcing immediate availability of the BlackBerry Z10 through partner GSM Nation. The price of the Z10, $999. It will not reach the top tier U.S. carriers until the middle of March, but Solovey says that they have it available now through GSM Nation. Uh, If you're not aware, Solovey is an MVNO that uses T-Mobile's network. They offer unlimited voice messaging and data for only $50 a month, and that includes uh, also the ability to add on friends. And if you uh, start sharing uh, your network uh, with your other with your friends and then they sign up for Solovey, you start getting credits on your monthly bill. And uh, so it's kind of one of those types of services. So but if you're interested in a BlackBerry in a Z10 specifically, you can pick one up now and uh, run it on uh, T-Mobile's network via Solovey. LG on Tuesday announcing the second generation of its L series smartphones, the L3.2 uh, and the L5.2. Also the L7.2. These are all, of course, running Android. And as with their predecessors, all three are between entry-level and mid-range devices. The devices share a number of similar features, including LG's Quick Memo app, Quick Button, a personalized hotkey, and safety care. They also feature new design elements that LG calls Seamless Layout, Laser Cut Contour, and Smart LED Lighting for the Home button. All three use an in-plane switching LCD display and will be available in dual-SIM and single-SIM variants. Now, the L7 is the largest of the three. It's got a 4.3-inch WVGA display with an 8 megapixel pixel camera led flash dual core one gigahertz qualcomm processor and 768 megabytes of ram that comes with a uh, 2460 milliamp hour battery it will ship in russia this week with android 4.1 jellybean next the l52 features a 4.0 uh, inch uh, wvga display 1700 milliamp hour battery though no other details were made available finally the l32 the smallest of the trio it's only got a 3.2 inch Q, uh, qvga display with a 1540 milliamp hour battery pricing and availability will be announced at a later date for all three devices then on wednesday lg announcing a new flagship a phone called the optimus g pro the g pro features an edge-to-edge 5.5 inch full hd display think uh, galaxy note 2 there Uh, lg did not specify any other details except to say that it runs uh, google's android of course and uh, it'll have the new 3d user interface on top of it it does have a quad-core processor two cameras and they'll provide more information about it and mobile world congress that occurs at the end of this week now uh, it's a good point uh, something to point out that is that uh, we are coming up quickly here we don't have a lot of device news uh we haven't in the last couple of weeks and uh, this will be the week that uh, most of that starts to hit. Uh, Mobile World Congress kicks off on February 23rd, which is this coming Saturday. And uh, so look for a lot of information to come out of there. We expect news from Sony, Asus, Huawei, ZTE, uh, also LG, of course, with the in- more information here about the G Pro. Uh, but prior to that, look for information and announcements from HTC. They've got an event uh, coming up here on the 19th, which is on Tuesday, uh, with their new their new device. We've seen it called uh, maybe the HTC One. Uh, it's been codenamed the M7. So there's going to be a lot of uh, actual release information that's coming up here this week. We'll talk about it on a next week's show, but if you're wondering where all the new device news is, that's where it is. It's coming up here later this week. Well, the show also supported by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. For the true Cell Phone Junkie, you can pick up the podcast application, which lets you listen to the show in the background while you do other things on your device. You can also email or call into the show directly and also follow the show's Twitter feed directly from the app if you're looking 
to experience everything that this show, the weekly Cell Phone Junkie podcast, has to offer in an app. The iOS and Android versions are for you. Well, Apple on Monday issued a 23 megabyte update for the iPhone that fixes unknown cellular performance and reliability issues for iPhone 4S users, available only for the 4S over the air or through iTunes. iOS 6.1.1 is uh, that fix. Now, uh, H, uh, we also talked a little bit. Um, uh, I think it was last week about some other issues that iOS was going through. And uh, interestingly, there's uh, some other stuff that's happening here and that, that we've experienced, and I've actually had some issues with this. Uh, number one, there's an exchange server issue with iOS 6.1. There's a, a bug in there that, that causes um, an exception to a reoccurring calendar event with Microsoft Exchange uh, to have the device begin generating excessive amounts of communication with the exchange server. Uh, Apple has uh, given a, a way that you can temporarily fix that bug uh, which really basically goes means going in and turning your calendar off and then back on, and that should fix it. But uh, iOS 6.1.1 or maybe 6.1.2, depending on what they decide to call it, should fix that. Yeah, I think they were claiming it was going to be .2. But however, I haven't seen anything with my Exchange server. I took a look because I've got uh, approximately, what, seven, eight, eight uh, iOS devices running on it right now. And I, I didn't see any uh, log files or uh, resource issues. So looks like we, we probably haven't uh, had any of the, these particular sets of reoccurring appointments uh, come up yet. So I got to keep an eye on that here until this uh, update gets released. And of course, I got to then double check to make sure everybody gets their phones updated or devices updated. So that's kind of a challenge as well, you know, because they're not, you know, policy or anything uh, deployed. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see with this particular bug. But we've this isn't the first time this has happened. And uh, Apple products had this happen a couple of years ago where, where it was really uh, straining the, uh, the exchange server as well with a calendar bug uh, at that point in time, too. So I, I'm actually thinking that this may have been an issue for me. And, and what they're saying is that it's when you respond to an exception to a reoccurring calendar event. So here's what happened. I received an appointment um, that was a reoccurring event. It was every month. And... Then there was a uh, there was a change made to this, like basically immediately after it was sent out. So I'd responded to the original one. Then I responded to the secondary uh, the secondary one and and realized that when I did that, I went to because I couldn't remember what day it was on. So I went back and looked on on the device on the iPhone for for it. And it wasn't there. Uh, ended up going to the exchange server and uh, or on, you know, on in Outlook and looked at it on there. And it was indeed there. Um, I, I can't remember what I did. I think I deleted the event and re-added it or something and then finally showed up on both devices. Um, and I, I don't know that I was experiencing any sort of high amounts of volume or anything like that of, of data that was being sent. Um, but certainly I was seeing an issue here and it was a reoccurring event. So uh, very interesting, though, that this, you know, potentially it's it's not just an isolated thing that it could be, you know, when you're responding to a change in a reoccurring event, which, you know, those happen all the time where it's a monthly staff meeting or, you know, just a reminder that you've maybe set for someone else's set for you, something like that. And uh, you go to respond to it to add it to your calendar and it just kind of goes away. So anyway. Go into settings, turn off your calendar, wait 10 seconds, turn it back on, and you should be good to go. There's another bug, too, that uh, we saw in 6.1, and that lets users access contacts and photos of a device by going through a series of key presses. Apple says they're planning on uh, you know the next iteration, this dot point, dot one point release that will uh, fix it. Uh, both this issue here where you can get into a phone and, and see photos or, or contacts, and also, of course, the exchange issue with the next uh, the update here, which we're expecting here this week. So if you're having any issues with it, 
Should have an update here in the next couple of days. HBO on Tuesday updated its iOS HBO Go application. That provides for support using Apple's AirPlay, letting users stream content from the Go application over to an Apple TV. The app is free, but of course you must have an HBO subscription to get access to the content. This is, I think, a pretty big deal. I mean, that was one of the, the issues that I had with uh, you know with the app itself, that you had to watch it on an iOS device. And if you've got you know an HBO uh, subscription or you've got a family member perhaps that has one, uh, this is a great way to go. You can share your content uh, over TVs wherever you are. Well, that's exactly right. The the the, the AirPlay. The, the crazy thing about how these content providers have created all this, uh, uh, you know, oh, you can't do this over your TV and you can't watch, uh, you know, on your mobile device. It's so crazy because they're all just computers. I mean, who cares if it's a mobile device versus the la- uh, computer that's connected to your TV or like uh, I've got a Western digital TV box. You can browse YouTube on it, but some of the videos you can't watch. Well, this you can't play this on your TV. Well, like, well what's the difference? I've got my computer hooked to the TV and I'm watching it on that, but I can't flip over my Western digital play and watch it. it it's just dumb, dumb thinking. So this is uh, obviously great uh, for subscribers to HBO, which I actually have a temporary subscription right now. So I, I didn't, I, I didn't test it out on the Apple TV since I don't have one here at the house, but um, I, I'm sure it works fine. So it's, uh, it's great to have these uh, choices. It does work fine. I had no issues with it uh, when I, I tried it out this weekend, and uh, you know it's great. But um, I will say, I, I really wish HBO would would come up with some sort of model that allows for people that are interested in you know in in subscribing to HBO but don't want to get it through their cable company. I mean, this is a great model for them. I think they could make you know, even if it was fifteen bucks a month. I think people would pay it because they want access to that content and to the movies and all that. And um, I think it would be a, a great way for them to go. However, they're not they're not you know, saying that they're going to do anything like that. And it probably is because of restrictions that they do have with the, the content, uh, you know, the cable companies out there. Yeah, that is the reason. I think HBO, of course, would would love to sell directly to the the customers, but I, I think they they just can't. It's uh you know the, the the agreements and the old business ways, old business models of the cable TV is just it's so entrenched. I, I, I it's going to be many years before I think this uh, changes. Well, either way, I'm uh, I'm a successful, I think, two months now in uh, cord cutter. And I know this is not a very exciting topic for many people that have been for years or you know whatever without cable. But uh, honestly, it's been a, it's been pretty pretty good for me so far. I haven't really taken advantage of the HBO side of it yet, but uh, certainly with Netflix, I'm just absolutely blown away by the the um, you know how much I've just kind of forgotten about everything else uh, that was out there in, in in the time that I used that I was watching TV. Now it's just you know. I'll pop on, uh, you know, whether it's one of the yeah, I, I do like the the Netflix specific, uh, you know, content that's out there now where it's the uh, the House of Cards. And then also uh, what's the the Norwegian show that's out there? The Lily Hammer. Lily Hammer. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting one as well. If you like uh, if you like that kind of thing. So so really interesting. You can watch those. Um, you know, I've got a, I've got a, a young son. And so there's a lot of great kids content. They've got a just for kids section, um, you know, and, and so you can pick and choose. It's not just turn on the TV and, and you know, throw on whatever's on It's you pick and choose the stuff that you want to you want to watch. And I, I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this because it's been two months really with very little pain, which I thought I would actually have. That's funny because I just recently got a cable TV back, but it's kind of a awful version of it. It, it was a kind of a package deal. I, I spent uh, like $5 more a month and I was able to get uh, a cable box and a real limited set of channels, you know, like just CNN and, and discovery channel and, and like 10 other channels. Uh, 
but you know how many times I've watched them now? It's been about two months and I've watched it, uh, I don't know, about four times for about 20 minutes here and there. I still end up watching Netflix more than I do the cable TV. It's standard definition, so it looks awful on mm-hmm. the, the, the flat screen TV and everything. But it, it's one of those things I just don't I don't have any desire because I haven't had it for so long that it, it's kind of novel every once in a while. But it's really, really something I just don't need to spend extra money on. Yeah, even even in a situation where I think you have, you know, you have the option to to keep it for a limited amount, you know, for a small amount of money. Um, I don't know. I for those that you know have have left, uh, you know, watching and having subscriptions to these services, um, it's it, it's really not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So anyway, it's an interesting uh, an interesting challenge, I guess we'll say in my mind because I thought it, I've had cable for you know decades and you know all of a sudden we're not and it's like well, don't miss that at all. Next today, uh, Dropbox for iOS updated this week, adding multiple new features. Uh, Dropbox for iOS has a new viewer for PDF files and now offers push alerts for when folders are shared with you and allows files to be sorted by date modified as well. You know, I'm a big Dropbox user. Um, you know, this this update, I guess, was nice. I didn't really see anything uh, exceptional with it. I mean, sure, there's a new PDF viewer, and that's great, and, and you can now sort things, which... Um, uh, you know that that's good, I guess too, um, because you know honestly, there's a. It's great to have an alpha sort in some cases, but I got to be honest. Uh, for the photos specifically, that was always annoying to me that I had this alpha sort of photos, and the photos are uh, you know listed in a way that I don't know. It's just nice to be able to go in and click you know newest to oldest, or and uh, you get all of that there, and, and it's just it's good. So I like what they've done there. Good job for uh, for adding that in. On the Android side, Google on Wednesday updated its search application for Android devices running Android four point one Jelly Bean and higher. The update brings several new features including home screen and lock screen widgets for google now google now offers personalized notification information such as weather traffic and news other new features for the search app include movie passes for fandango movie results from rotten tomatoes real estate listings from zillow and a new music play button as well as support for college sports here in the u.s the update is a free download from the google play store Google also updated its Nexus line of smartphones and tablets this week to Android 4.2.2. The update included a variety of bug fixes and security enhancements, though Anantech noticed that the update also removes unofficial LTE support for the Nexus 4. That latest build includes both software changes and a new baseband software image for the Nexus 4 that effectively disables LTE for the device. Slacker on Wednesday Wednesday announced a refresh of its online and mobile music streaming services to Slacker 4.0. This new version says it's now more closely rivaling competitive services like Spotify and Pandora with its new user interface and music guide. The guide is a tool that music lovers can easily download to uh, discover music, news, and sports, as well as other radio channels. And it also provides what they say is easier ways to view station, artist, and song information, as well as sharing content via social networks and email. The app itself is free to download for Android, BlackBerry 10, and iOS devices. Listeners can stream music for free with ads or choose to pay uh, $3.99 a month for ad-free listening or $9.99 for ad-free listening plus on-demand song choices and offline caching. Now, as we talk about regularly, uh, you know, I'm a big Slacker fan. This is pretty much what I use exclusively for my music. Um, The new app itself, I will say, is uh, significantly more confusing for those that have been using Slacker for, uh, for quite a while. And, uh, you know, there's things like it took me a while to find where my cache content was because that's something that I use regularly. And, and further, when you find it, 
when you click on one of those stations, because they're basically considered now stations, it lets you choose either regular uh, streaming or cached. Uh, when they, it doesn't say cached, it says something like play from my device, if you've got that station obviously on there. Um, so whereas before it was, it basically added another click is what it did. Um, so, and, and I also use it during the day as well um, on basically on the, on the computer, on the desktop uh, constantly. And it's, it's, it's more, um, I don't know, cartoony, if that's the right word. I, I don't know. Joey, I know you uh, have tried out Slacker kind of here and there. I know you're not a big user because of the satellite music stuff that you go through, but I don't know what you looked at it. What'd you think of it? I did. It was very, very simplistic uh, design, but yeah, they hid a lot of the, 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 the powerful features. I know it's a, it's a double-edged sword. You want to make your app simple to use for kind of the masses and kind of for the, the most commonly used functions, but and you want to make it look pretty, but also on the flip side, then all the, the powerful features that kind of differentiate Slacker are kind of buried and hidden and kind of out of sight and probably out of mind. And you, you may kind of forget that those features are there and that's what you're paying for. You know, so it's, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, there should almost be a, a setting. Go back to advanced mode, you know, mm-hmm. where, where if you, you're a classic user and you want to see all those features, it, you should kind of have a choice in your interface version. Yeah, so I, I do believe that is available on the website, so that's good. Um, you know, in fact, now that I think about it, I, I remember seeing that and then didn't end up clicking it. So uh, I'm, as we're talking here, I'm going to go back and take a look. But on the mobile app, no, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of out of luck. Um, you know, it, I mean, I, I, at home, I've got an old iPhone here that I, I just plug in to a speaker dock, and that's what we use for, for music around the house, so just constantly on Slack or listening to that. Um, and so I don't know. I guess I, I figured that um, you know maybe we won't even update that one because there's no reason to. It still works just fine. Yeah, and you'd probably want definitely want to wait. To, you you never know. There's a lot of new uh, app updates that just you know take away support for older versions mm-hmm. of uh, you know iOS, like Google Voice. You cannot install the current Google Voice on an iPod Touch uh, third generation, second generation because it's too uh, it's too old. So there's some definite uh, risks you got to be careful with with newer versions of software because they were they have like you know newer API calls or whatever in, in internally. So you'd think Google Voice that'd be that should be absolutely fine. That's the most simple app you could possibly think of. But nope, can't run it. So uh, be careful with that. And maybe Slacker will add in an advanced mode or something uh, on the interface in the future update. Yeah, it. I mean, it's it's fine, uh, I guess. You know, and for the most part, I, I just it's it's open. Um, you know, I get in the car, uh, it starts streaming, and uh, you know, it's good to go. And I I control it with the car controls and not on the phone, so it's not that big of a deal. But uh, you know, certainly it's it's a jarring experience if you're not used to it. So uh, either way, it's you know still the same old slacker, still good service and whatnot. Just you know, or you know, crotchety old ways trying to get used to something that's changed. <laughs> I don't like change. I want the old stuff back. Right. Some yeah. questions and comments this week. First one comes from Joe, and he says, with BlackBerry coming out with the Z10, I was wondering what your thoughts are on the new phone, if you think it would be worth looking into. Well, uh, Joe, I, you know, there's a couple of thoughts on this. Number one, uh, you know, I, I definitely think, you know, for someone uh, that's using, say, an, an old BlackBerry or maybe an Android device that is, you know, uh, a couple of years old, you know, certainly take a look at it. It's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a new OS. It's, it's pretty interesting. Um, but what I'm kind of coming to the conclusion of, and, and this is not based on experience, but based on reviews and, and comments that I've read, if you're someone that's using iPhone or Android and you've got a relatively new device, it, it doesn't seem like it's that compelling of an upgrade. And I, I don't say that to be negative about it outside of that it's just it doesn't bring anything else that's really all that exciting. Uh, you know, sure, there's some interesting features, but it's not it's not going to totally change the, your mobile computing experience. And 
especially when you add in the amount of money that you've probably spent on applications and in the ecosystem, it, it may not be the best thing for you. However, if you've got an old curve or, or something you know, bold from a couple of years ago, absolutely take a look at it. You'll probably be very happy. You know, and I exactly agree with you, Mickey, you know, the, the, the exciting, there's, there's nothing that seems to be exciting. We've got some simplification of uh, an email inbox, and that may be your thing. That may be what's really exciting to you and what you really want to have. And if that's the case, you know, definitely look into it, play with it at the store as much as possible. Um, but then, of course, on, on my, uh, the flip side of me, I want to have something that's more stable, something that's more proven, consistent. This is brand new relatively. I mean, granted, they've had the Playbook OS out and they've been kind of debugging this this OS for a couple of years now. So it's not like totally, totally brand new, but it is. So bug fixes, stability, you know, longer term issues kind of concern me because it's not a proven operating system. And, you know, I'm always kind of a latecomer to devices. I, you know, took forever to get the, uh, the, the Centro, which was, a, you know, the Palm OS phone that came the trio that was long after many, many trios had come out and had been buggy. And that Centro was very stable in comparison. Same thing with the, the next phone, you know, the, uh, the Android phone. I waited till the Nexus S was out, you know, years after the release. And then the BlackBerry was basically when they were done. I finally got the BlackBerry when the the OS was stable and and consistent. And then with the iPhone, I didn't get one until the iPhone 5. I mean, it took forever to get uh, an iPhone. So I kind of like the stability and the the that kind of, you know, built-in you know, safety net that you have where you're not going to be fighting issues and, and being frustrated with this dumb thing because if you tap here, tap here, it crashes or, you know, there's lots of issues I don't like to deal with. So it, it really kind of depends what you're looking for and, and, and what you prefer. I, uh, I, I'm very interested in it because I was a BlackBerry user for four years and, uh, you know, most of the most of that time. That was my primary device. I still had iPhones uh, and, you know, played around with other Android devices. But, you know, the majority of what I did was with the BlackBerry. And, you know, I love the belt holster, you know, as nerdy as it was. I, I just absolutely loved it. Um, you know, you pull it out. It turns it on. Put it back in. It locks it. Um, you know, vibrates when it's in it. It's not. You know, I mean, there's all these great things about it. And, and I know. Um, you know, some of the other, you know, I guess we'll call it simplistic things like having an LED to notify you when there's a message was was a really nice thing. But uh, just ultimately, I, I found that, uh, you know, it, it kind of the, the needs of, of what you're looking for change. And, you know, they didn't change with it. Now they've got this new OS and this new hardware. Uh, they're back in the game, uh, so to speak. So if you're someone that's hung on and that's, you know, that's great. It may be a good thing for you to move to. But uh, I, I don't find myself uh, even in the slightest bit interested in it. And so I won't be I will not be spending any money to purchase at least one of these these uh, these first round of, of devices that are out there. We'll see what happens with uh, with maybe the next round that comes out and, and maybe they offer something that's a little bit more. But uh, kind of the same feeling. Feelings I had on Windows Phone. It was a great OS. It was fun to play with, but it didn't offer me any sort of compelling experience to make a switch. Well, and what I've, you know, I'm just going to throw my take on here and, and my opinion. Uh, yes, I'm definitely not going to switch to it right now because I've become uh, very accustomed to the the tools and utilities that I have on iOS right now with the with the functions like the remote desktop clients, the the VPN where I can VPN either to you know any of the VPN services. It's part of the OS. I've become accustomed to the, uh, you know, the, the 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 applications that allow me to actually get my actual work done. Uh, even things like Google Drive and the Dropbox and things like that are are great. Even those services will be available. But there's you know specific things that just 
it's going to take a long time for those particular items and, and services to be available on BlackBerry. And it, 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 it again, comes down to so much of uh, your particular needs and, and what you want to be able to do with it. And, uh, you know, I absolutely agree with that. I, as I've gone through, you know, iOS and the iterations, um, and, and this is not an iOS love fest other than to say it just works out really well, but I've come very accustomed to, like you, being able to do the things that I want to do. And as an aside, I, I, I don't like to, to bag on bad software, um, you know, but I, I do want to just point it out that I tried something this weekend because, like you, you, you do remote access to, uh, to computers, and that's one of the things that's actually allowed me to get rid of a laptop and just use iOS and remote services back to desktops that I have uh, in, in various locations. And I've used LogMeIn uh, forever. I, I spent the money to buy the LogMeIn um, Ignition application for iOS. It was 30 bucks or whatever it was. And, and it's well worth the money. It's now free, but it, uh, you know I get some extra services because I'm a, I'm a paid, uh, paid app user. But I'm always on the lookout for other things that may work better. And one of the things with, with, uh, with the Ignition application that uh, going back to an Apple computer or Mac is that it, it changes the sound settings. There's a separate driver that LogMeIn installs. And so, as an example, when you know I, I go on the iPad, log into my, my Mac, and it changes the sound, so the sound then comes through. Uh, my, the system sounds come through on the iPad, which is, is kind of interesting, and at the same time, a little, you know, doesn't really matter in many cases. Um, the problem is, is that when you change, uh, when, you, when you log out, sometimes, and, and it happens actually most of the time, it doesn't switch the sound settings back to the original setting that you had and so all of your sounds are now still going to an iOS uh, to this log me in sound driver and you don't have any sounds on your computers uh, very annoying and um, just very I, I just was I'm not a I'm not a fan of, of how this works so anyway so I'm, I'm on the you know in the process of looking for something else that works with Macs a little bit better and so I, I looked at splash top this weekend they had a sale on it it was only 99 cents so fortunately it wasn't an expensive thing um, but I installed it installed it on the Mac uh, worked great seemed to work um, actually a little bit was a little bit more responsive than log me in and uh, in fact, Joey, I even talked to you about it and said, oh, you got to check this out. If you're looking for an alternative, it's only 99 cents. Check it out. And uh, then, you know, an hour later, you said, yeah, but look at these reviews. And it talks about all these one star reviews about how you have to, you know, there's all these in-app purchases. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? It's working just fine for me. And you said, you know, turn off your Wi-Fi. You're on the, you know, try it when you're accessing remotely. And as soon as you do that, it forces you in to purchase. And I think, what is it, a couple bucks a month or something like that to use this remotely? Uh, there's, you know, an annual subscription. And I'm thinking... Okay, I, you know this is on sale right now for ninety nine cents. If I, if this app is normally free or ninety nine cents, I get that that they've got to make their money somewhere. But normally this app is twenty dollars, and to go to buy a twenty dollar app, to only be able to use it locally on your network, and then you've got to you know pay for additional service when there's other services out there that let you do this essentially for free. I, I'm not impressed. I, I don't like the way that this this all played out. And I guess this wasn't how it always was. I guess it used to be free, and then they went to this model. And I get it; they've got to make money, but. I didn't, I just was not a, I, I didn't like this. So just a, a word of caution. If you're looking at uh, using splash top, you've got to deal with this thing here. Um, ultimately I said, well, it was only 99 cents. So whatever, but uh, yeah, just not a fan of stuff like that. So keep that in mind. Um, but uh, going back to whatever the question was here, we were talking about <laughs> going, talking about the Z10 yeah. uh, and uh, you know, Joe, you, you, hopefully this gave you some insight as to what our thought process is on it. And you know, ultimately it's, it's not going to be a purchase for either of us anytime soon. 
Next up here, a question from Jeff, and he says, Mickey, I was wondering if you had any comments or recommendations about getting the best Android phone on AT&T that's not gigantic. I'm probably going to be getting a new phone soon as my uh, house is pretty much a dead zone for all carriers but AT&T. I like Android more than iOS, so I don't want, uh, but I also don't want a huge phone. I'm hoping to either get a Nexus 4 or Razer M, uh, but I don't. I know those aren't choices when you go over to AT&T. Uh, what do you recommend? All right, Jeff. Well, first off, I would say uh, 100%. Uh, you know, go with the Nexus Four. Um, it's only 300 or 350 dollars, depending on the internal storage size that you have, um, and there's no contract with it. And I think that's the biggest part of this here, and, and the fact that you can get this device for uh, essentially um, uh, the, the cost of what you know new devices on contract are. You know, give or take a you know 50 or 100 bucks, and you've got you know a vanilla Android experience. It's uh, going to obviously get the updates as as soon as Google has them available because that's what the Nexus line is. And uh, it's just a great way to go, uh, in my opinion. And because you're talking about AT&T, you've got a couple of different options here. You can obviously go to AT&T, um, you know, get your SIM or if you already have an account, just, uh, you know, have it, um, you know, you've got your account. And, and there's no contract needed here because you're not getting a phone subsidy uh, and just have a typical plan. However, the other option is to go with a carrier like Straight Talk. And of course, as an MVNO, uh, um, they will use uh, the AT&T service. You do have to deal with potentially, uh, depending on where you are, being forced to choose uh, potentially T-Mobile. And I, and Joe, you know a little bit more about this because I think this goes back to a, a track phone thing, right? And, and just how the services are chosen. Yeah, uh, Straight Talk is a is a track phone subsidiary. So it, it depends on your market. It de- if you're going to get an AT&T SIM or a T-Mobile SIM. So it's uh, it, it's a little tricky to, to deal with, and you'd have to look at the coverage maps in your area to see what uh, what they claim for the coverage. And it, it, it when I had a track phone here in the, in the Twin Cities, I, it was AT&T provisioned, and I had a, a three of them that all that, that all, uh, chose the AT&T network. So it, it's a, you'll have to try to probably do a little research if you want to go that particular route. Otherwise, I mean, just getting, uh, you know, buying a full, full-fledged cell phone on AT&T is probably another option. Um, you know, look into the, the prepaid side of things if you want to go with the Nexus 4. And I agree, Mickey, I would totally recommend the Nexus because you get the latest and greatest uh, uh, software updates all the time. and You won't be stuck with the carrier, uh, you know, carrier software updates that sometimes never come. And that's another point is that if you're if you're going to buy something, I, I you know absolutely recommend on the Android side to buy uh, the latest phone and, and the most phone that you can buy, just because it'll it'll be it'll feel more future proof. If you go and buy, um, I, just, I, I know someone who just bought an LG Viper, you know, and it's, it's it was an L, and it's an LTE device. It was Sprint's first announced LTE device that came out at CES last year and just recently bought it, and I thought. That's fine. It's an okay device, but two years from now, that thing is going to feel ancient. That said, it was an upgrade from a Centro, believe it or not. So it was a huge upgrade, and and, and obviously this is you know her focus is not having the latest and greatest hardware, so uh, not that big of a deal. But either way, um, you know I, I definitely recommend checking out uh, you know the Nexus Four. You'll have it in about a week and a half now. The stock is uh, looks like it's actually in, in pretty good supply now. So the problem the Nexus Four, of course, uh, you know, to the question, not a huge phone, and, and Android phones have just got bigger, 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 bigger. There's very, very little to choose from that's not gigantic, and it, even if the Nexus Four is okay for you, because I think that's a four and a half inch screen or four and six, four point six or something, actually, four point yeah. seven. Oh yeah. my gosh, uh, that's. I mean, I consider that pretty darn big. I mean, the 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 the, the four inch screen that I have on the Nexus. Uh, 
the the Nexus S and uh, the the four inch screen with the, the iPhone five is uh, it seems just right for me. I mean, I suppose it could be a little bit bigger, but I'd rather not because I just don't want that kind of bulk and and size in my pocket. Uh, even though they're not usually very thick, which is nice, but they they, they become they just become a little bit too big. So um, unfortunately, what what happens is you start getting down into the mid to low end smartphones then with the smaller screen size because they're just, you know, they're they're kind of targeted for the cheap product. And, and if you end up having to get a, a two-year contract on something like this, it becomes very expensive because they're subsidizing a, a phone that doesn't cost them nearly as much as the, the, the higher end phones that they're subsidizing more money for. So then I start thinking, well, maybe you should just go to eBay and buy one used, buy one uh, outright. Uh, but then the Nexus 4, if that size is okay for you, that's totally the way to go because you'll end up probably paying less money for a Nexus 4 brand new than you will for an older or, or you know, low to mid-end phone for AT&T. So it's really, really a, a good deal with they've, they've got going with the Nexus 4. I, I just can't... Um at this point, recommend anything else, you know, on AT&T. I look through, you know, and you've got, you've got everything from the Note 2 to the, um, what's LG's phone? The Optimus is out there. You know, HTC's got the 1X Plus right now, but I don't know. Just personally, I, I'm, I'm sticking with, uh, I'm sticking with this as the recommendation. So, um, and let's tie this into the last question that we have here. And this comes from Brian, uh, also about the Nexus 4. And he says, guys, love the show. I got a Nexus 4 on Friday. And uh, while I was making coffee, it slid right off the counter. Wasn't touching it, not even near it. Uh, I do have a case on the way that'll be here on Monday. But what I need now is a good company that will help me fix this at a reasonable price. Thanks. Love the show. Listen each week, Brian. Well, uh, Brian, I, you know, I, I would say start with a Google search here to try and find places that you can actually buy uh, a new screen to replace it yourself. Um, you know, we, we found a couple of uh, places on eBay that sell them. Um, you know, you can just do a quick search over there and you can see them. They're about 150 bucks over there, which is, um, you know, it's quite annoying that, you know, you just bought this phone and already the screen is broken. And, <laughs> you know, I, I feel for you here. But uh, either way, 150 bucks, you can get it on eBay if you're comfortable doing it yourself. But I, I don't know, Joey, I, I think I would probably contact uh, LG which I think is is what you were going to recommend. Yeah, you can contact LG Repair Services. Have it done there. Um, there, there should be some local, uh, local places that fix phones. There, I know in pretty much every market there are you know local you know repair shops that will you know do this screen swap for you. I mean, it, it's actually not that difficult to do this. I do this fairly frequently on Blackberries, replace keyboards, screens, you know, whatever else needs to be fixed on them, and it's not that hard to pull them apart and get them uh, get a you know get them fixed. So. Uh, a lot of these places usually kind of will stock parts like this or they'll order them in and, and you can get them fixed. But unfortunately, with the, the, the price of new versus the repair price, you're not going to be that far off the, the actual price of the Nexus 4 um, for the repair parts just because they're they're brand, brand new devices and the repair parts aren't really uh, common quite yet. And of course, the labor involved in switching it out. So it's a uh, it, it is uh, it is unfortunate to have that uh, that happen. But I I. I accidents happen that's just kind of the with the risk we take with carrying these you know expensive devices around yeah it's true um there are services out there um i found one called drquickfix.com <laughs> but the you know you're gonna pay about as much as the cost of the phone it's almost 300 bucks to get a screen replaced when you send it to them yeah and i see uh, one local here in the twin city that's called don't ditch it fix it and they have uh they even have mail-in service available here and it's uh um, you know, I'm not exactly sure what their prices are, but it's, uh, you know, there's, it, there's probably a lot of places around you can mail them in or take it someplace locally. Yeah. So the, uh, the LG address that you want to go to is lg.com slash us slash support slash repair service 
slash schedule. Just do a search for repair repair services LG, and uh, you'll find the link that we're talking about here, and it'll you uh, enter your information, and they'll take care of you there. So hopefully they'll get you get you what you need and uh, get that case on it, so you don't have any more problems with broken screens on your Nexus. Well, if you'd like to send us a question or comment, you can do so by sending us email to questions at the cell phone junkie dot com or giving us a call two zero six two zero three three seven three four is the phone number. Of course, you can also follow uh, the, uh, the the site here. Of course, we do have uh, the cell phone junkie dot com or on Twitter at twitter dot com slash cell phone junkie. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.